This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now let's join today's message already in progress. Well, let's get right into the Word of God today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 1, verse 27. Isaiah 1, 27. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version today, the ESV. And it reads, Zion shall be redeemed by justice, and those in her who repent by righteousness. Zion shall be redeemed by justice, and those in her who repent by righteousness. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You so much for Your Word today. We ask, Lord, that You would open our eyes, that we might behold wondrous things out of Your law. Lord, help us to see Jesus, help us to believe in Him, and help us to be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, amen, and amen. I wrote, uh, well, I posted a piece on Facebook a while back that got a lot of attention. It was entitled, Black People Are So Tired. I'll just read a little bit uh, from it. We can't breathe again, hashtag George Floyd. We can't breathe, hashtag Eric Garner. We can't go jogging, hashtag Ahmaud Arbery. We can't sell CDs, hashtag Alton Sterling. We can't comply during an arrest with our hands up, hashtag Mike Brown. We can't play cops and robbers, hashtag Tamir Rice. We can't go to church, hashtag the Charleston Nine. We can't walk home with Skittles and iced tea, hashtag Trayvon Martin. We can't lawfully carry a weapon, hashtag Philando Castile. We can't decorate for a party, hashtag Claude Reese. We can't ask a cop a question, hashtag Randy Evans. We can't cash our check in peace, hashtag Yvonne Smallwood. We can't take out our wallet, Amadou Diallo. We can't run, hashtag Walter Scott. We can't live, hashtag Freddie Gray. We're tired. We're tired. Tired of making hashtags. Tired of trying to convince you that black lives matter too. Tired of dying. Tired, tired, tired. So very tired. I'm tired. I've been asked more questions than I ever want to answer about this subject. I've been tired and exhausted about what has happened in the news. I've been tired of protests, tired of violence, tired. But it's not time to be tired. I know that I've been tired and frustrated when people say to me, Well, Pastor Mike, it's really a sin issue and not a skin issue. My response is, it's probably both. I've been a little bit tired when people have said, Well, Pastor Mike, what we really need is revival and spiritual awakening to get everybody saved. Well, I think that's important. I'm in the getting people saved business. But there were saved people that owned slaves. And there were saved people that supported Jim Crow. And there were saved people, church people, even pastors, that Dr. Martin Luther King addressed in his letter from a Birmingham jail. Yeah, it's important that we get people saved, but I think we need a little bit more. You know, I I get a little bit tired, too, of myself. Because I've been in ministry for 24 years now, and I think that I've done the church and God a disservice because we have not talked about justice enough. 
Yes, I've done evangelism and discipleship, but there are are systems and there are issues that keep people in bondage. That that there have been issues that we've ignored as a church, thinking that, well, that's for the social justice people, not for us. Many of us don't think that justice is an issue for the church or for God, or that justice is an issue in the Bible, but uh, newsflash, it is. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk on the subject, Justice Matters. And it's really twofold. Justice matters, meaning justice is important. But also justice matters. What are the issues? What are the justice matters that need to be discussed? And so today, I'm basically going to talk about justice and the gospel. In the weeks to come, we're going to talk about specific issues and look in the scriptures. It's going to be biblically rooted and and the Bible will be our foundation. But we've got to talk about justice. If God's people don't talk about justice, who is? And so justice matters. I'm going to give you a couple of definitions from a, 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 a very respectful pastor on this subject, Tim Keller from New York. And then I'm going to talk about the need of justice and the need for the gospel. And then I'm going to talk about justice and the scope of the gospel. And then I'm going to conclude with justice and the hope of the gospel. So let's look at uh, a couple of the definitions so we'll all be on the same page as we're talking about justice. Justice matters. Tim Keller says that justice is twofold. Justice is right judgment, but also justice is right relationships. He starts with right judgment. The Hebrew word for justice appears more than 200 times in the Hebrew Old Testament. Its most basic meaning is to treat people equitably. It means acquitting or punishing every person on the merits of the case, regardless of race or social status, Anyone who does the same wrong should be given the same penalty. That doesn't always happen. The Hebrew word also means giving people what they are due, whether punishment or protection or care. Over and over again, the Hebrew word describes taking up the care and cause of widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. Those who have been called the quartet of the vulnerable. So he talks about justice as right judgment, but then he goes and talks about justice as right relationships. We get more insight when we consider a second Hebrew word that can be translated as being just. Though it usually translates as being righteous, the word in Hebrew refers to a life of right relationships. The Hebrew word refers to -to day-to-day living in which a person conducts all relationships in family and society with fairness, generosity, and equity. It is not surprising then to discover that the Hebrew words together, both of them, are brought together in scores of times in the Bible. So, to review, justice is right judgment, living in equity with those around us and giving people what they are due and taking care of the widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. But justice is also right relationship, being just or living just as you go about in your relationships daily. 
Well, I'd like to talk about justice and the need for the gospel. Because we all we, we don't always operate the way that we ought. And one of the main tenets of the gospel and the need for the gospel is because man is sinful and separated from God. You know, back in Genesis chapter 3, when, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, God had told Adam that when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. They didn't immediately die physically, but they died spiritually. They were dead spiritually, and that death affected all of the faculties of their being. They're physically, it affected them physically, it affected them mentally, it affected them emotionally, it affected them socially, it affected them psychologically, it affected them volitionally. They didn't think right, they didn't, they didn't feel right, and they didn't do right. That sin, we call it total depravity. It doesn't mean that man is as bad as he can be, but there is bad that affects every part of man. And that is why we have to fight against injustice. Because our natural bent, man's natural bent, is towards sin. Man's natural bent is toward unrighteousness. I was having lunch with a Christian leader a few years ago, and he said, Pastor Mike, do you believe in affirmative action? I said, certainly I do. And he looked at me and he said, well, you must believe in affirmative action because you're African American. I said, no, I don't believe in affirmative action because I'm African American. I believe in affirmative action because y'all sinful. (laughs) I believe in the depravity of man. I believe that if you have uh, my resume against somebody else's resume and you find out that I'm African American and they're not African American, there might be a tendency for you to choose them over me just because of the color of my skin. And so uh, this whole idea of total depravity is not just in racism, but it's discrimination against the poor. It's discrimination against widows, those who are orphans. We live in a state of sinfulness, and we cannot overlook the sinfulness and depravity of man. The Scripture puts it this way, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Scripture goes on to say, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. It goes on to say, The heart of man is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then it concludes in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. It says, There is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Sin affects all of us, and we've got to recognize that. But we also recognize that Jesus Christ is the answer. That in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, God prophesies and says that the seed of the woman will crush the serpent. That the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, will come and he'll make everything right. The issue becomes repentance and faith. The way we enter into this relationship with Jesus Christ, the way we enter into this new way of looking at people and new way of looking at ourselves is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And He redeems me from my total depravity so that now I have a relationship with Him and now I have the capacity to do and to live righteously and justly before Him. 
So the need for the gospel is that we're sinful. The remedy of the gospel is Jesus Christ. The need for the gospel. Justice and the need for the gospel because we don't do right apart from Jesus Christ. And sometimes we don't do right even with Jesus. Point number two is not the the need for the gospel, justice and the need for the gospel, but justice and the scope of the gospel. Many of us look at the gospel as individualistic, and that is one of the hindrances of being a Christian in the United States of America, because we believe in rugged individualism. Well, the gospel has more than one scope, and what I'd like for you to see, this most important point in the whole message, that the scope of the gospel is broad. I'm going to give you four passages of scripture. You look them up. You read them yourself. Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 22, Exodus chapter 12, and Leviticus chapter 16. In Genesis chapter 4, we find the story of Cain and Abel, and you know the story. Uh, They made offerings to God. God received Abel's offering of a killed lamb, a sacrificial lamb, the blood of the lamb, He received it. He did not receive Cain's work of his hands in the field. And so we get the idea that that sacrifice was for sin. If you go a little bit further in Genesis chapter 22, you find Abraham and Isaac. And Abraham takes his son Isaac up to a hill. The Lord says, I want you to go up and sacrifice him. They go up to worship. He gets ready to sacrifice him. He gets ready to kill him. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord says, no, don't do it. Look over. There's a ram caught in the thicket. And that ram, that lamb was placed on the altar and it saved Isaac's life. So in Genesis chapter 4, it was for sin. In Genesis chapter 22, it was sufficient for one person. But if you go a little bit further, in Exodus chapter 12, we find the Passover. And the Lord instructed the children of Israel to take a lamb, sacrifice it, put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of each household. So that the death angel could pass over that household. That blood of the lamb saved one family. Can you see the progression? In Genesis chapter 4, we've got sin. It was a sacrifice for sin. In Genesis chapter 22, it was a sacrifice that saved the life of one person, Isaac. In, in Exodus chapter 12, we find the lamb on the doorpost saved one whole family. It was sufficient. The scope was for one family. But when you get to Leviticus chapter 16, in Leviticus chapter 16, we see the Day of Atonement where the priest goes into the Holy of Holies and the priest makes sacrifice for sin. He makes sacrifice for individuals. He makes sacrifice for himself. But he culminates things by making a sacrifice for the entire nation of Israel, all of the children of Israel. He puts the sins of the people of the children of Israel on the scapegoat and puts that goat out into the wilderness to take the sins of the people away. It was for the entire nation. And the scope of the gospel is not just individualistic. The massive scope of the gospel is that God is in the business of redeeming nations. Well, how does he do that? Well, nations can sin just like individuals can sin. Nations are depraved just like individuals are depraved. Nations have difficulty thinking right and feeling right and doing right the same way individuals do. And it is not a new phenomenon. 
We're going to look later on in our series in the book of Amos. And in Amos chapter 1 and Amos chapter 2, the Lord pronounces judgment on the nations. We know that from reading the book of Jonah. God sends Jonah to make judgment or to make judgment against Nineveh. Against Nineveh. An entire city of Nineveh. And so he makes judgment. But the great thing is that God says, in my grace... In my love, in my concern for humanity, if there is repentance and faith, there, the, the judgment will not be there. And so they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and God withheld His judgment for a period. There was a whole generation that did not experience the judgment of God because they repented. They repented. And men and women, that's what we need. I don't know about you, but... Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 is ingrained in my brain. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. We've got sin, we've got unrighteousness, we have abused and exploited the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the poor. We, we, we in our rugged individualism and our capitalism have, have decided that, 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 that things are more important than people. And God does not like that. I'm not talking about political parties now. I'm just talking about being concerned and seeing the structural, systemic, institutional sin that is there. And nations can have it just like individuals can. So when we talk about justice, the foundation is that we have to live justly amongst one another. And if the state is in sin, we're fond of quoting Romans chapter 13 about obeying the state and the government. But when the state and the government are in sin, the state and the government need the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And that's where justice comes in. That's where we look at individual issues that enslave people and keep them in bondage. And we ask the Lord to deliver. And we ask the Lord to release. And we ask the Lord to heal. And we ask the Lord to provide. So, justice and the need for the gospel. Justice and the scope of the gospel. He's concerned about the nation. And then justice and the hope of the gospel. Look again at Isaiah chapter 1 verse 27. It says, Zion shall be redeemed by justice, those in her who repent by righteousness. The just shall live by faith. Zion, the city of Zion. Not individual, the city of Zion. Zion, it says, shall be redeemed by justice. That the Lord wants to redeem Zion by justice. And the greatest act of justice was Jesus Christ on the cross. That Jesus Christ, because He took the sins of of my sin and your sin, the sins of the world, the sin had to be punished. He paid an eternal price on that cross and shed His blood. the, 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 The justice of God demanded that He die. The justice of God demanded that He be crucified. The justice of God demanded that He shed His blood. And He shed it for you. And He shed it for me. But the justice didn't end there because there was justice and mercy. There was justice and grace. 
And so he took that penalty that we rightly deserve, but he rose on the third day with all power in his hand. That that justice, that grace, that mercy was stronger. And so men and women, I believe that even with regard to to that, as individuals, we will not make a difference in our country unless you make a decision for Jesus Christ individually. It says that Zion... Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent. I'm asking you to repent. I believe that there is hope for us in repentance. There is hope for us if we yield to God's authority. There is hope for us with regard to justice if we obey. Is justice important to God? Certainly it is. I have hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape. He's given us a way of escape, and that way of escape is Jesus. He says to us, We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Who is that treasure? That treasure is Jesus. You may ask me, well, there's no hope for America. There's no hope for uh, for us to end racism. There's no hope for us to end injustice. No, I claim like my faith, uh, forefathers did that justice is important to God. Well, Pastor Mike, how is justice important to God? Well, it is because His Word says so. Psalm 9 verse 16 says, The Lord is known by His acts of justice. Psalm 11 verse 7 says, For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. Uh, Psalm 33 verse 5 says, The Lord loves righteousness and justice. Psalm 45 verse 6 says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. Psalm 50 verse 6 says, And the heavens proclaim the righteousness of God, for He is a God of justice. Psalm 89 verse 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And Psalm 99 verse 4 says, The King is mighty. He loves justice. Well, why is justice important? Because we're sinful. What is the scope of justice? For sin, for one individual, for our families, and for our nation. And do you have hope? Yes, I have hope because God will uh, come through and God will prove Himself strong and God will deliver and God will save and God will redeem and God will make us righteous and God will make us just and God will do His thing because that's what God does. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus reigns right now and He loves justice. Men and women, I bid you Jesus Christ. If you're listening under the sound of my voice and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you can receive Him right now into your life. I ask you to come to Jesus today. If you do that, you just get in touch with us. Email us. Give us a call. Send us a letter. And let us know you made a decision for Christ because you know you've got sin in your life. I'm going to pray a prayer and you can invite the Lord Jesus to come into your life today. And the scripture says the just 
those who are practicing justice, the just, those who are righteous, the just shall live by faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you for each person under the sound of my voice. If there is one today that has never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they can simply pray, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I now open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Lord, take the throne of my life. Be in charge of my life. Be the Lord of my life. And make me the kind of person you want me to believe. I believe in your death. I believe in your burial. I believe in your resurrection. And I believe that you want to save me. I put all of my faith in you. In Jesus' name, won't you say amen, amen, and amen. Justice matters. Justice matters to me. Justice matters to God. Does justice matter? to you. We are hard and-